Welcome to Essential Coaching Conversations with Kyle and Asim. The real, relevant, necessary conversations to help you navigate coaching, teaching, learning, and life. Here we are back again. Episode 17, my friends, episode 17 of Essential Coaching Conversations with Kyle and Asim. Kyle, how are we doing today? Doing fantastic. Thank you, everybody, for uh, checking in with us today, no matter where you might be or whatever day this you might ha- happen to stumble upon this particular episode. We are very grateful and thankful that you're doing so. Glad to have you. Absolutely. And so I think the the title itself, maybe some people have heard this phrase, maybe some people haven't, but uh, I feel like we are two fairly decent cheese heaters um, in in what we do and sort of the the multiple hats that we wear, but also with just people in general and making sure that we're we're reaching out, we're making sure that people get their gratitude. And, um, you know, hopefully this episode is, is somewhat timeless. We're going to try to make it timeless for you so you can keep coming back to it because I think heat the cheese is not just a phrase, but it's a very sticky reminder of a lot of different things that, that need to be done and a lot of different ways things can be done. But it all comes back to the willingness of people to do the right thing um, and to do things that maybe others don't want to do. Um, and so we'll get into all of that today, but definitely want to share some gratitude for our new listeners, for our, our returning listeners, people who just support the mission that we're on to affect exponential generational change uh, through coaching, through education, through coach education, all three separate things, and um, just working as allies for coaches and, and educators and people all over the world uh, who want to make this a better place. So with that being said, I'm going to jump right into this phrase of heat the cheese. Kyle, do you want to tell the story of where heat the cheese came from? Yeah. So on our first uh, year, I suppose, uh, after, after we started essential coaching and we had our, our OGs, as we like to call them, the, the hashtag EC fam. And we were having these, these couple calls a week with our group and, and eventually just sort of naturally, organically, uh, they, they sort of broke up into these, these groups. And so we had a Tuesday night group, a Thursday night group, et cetera. And a real good friend of mine, um, going back years, uh, we just goes by Bubba, uh, tells us a story uh, one night when we were on one of our Thursday night calls. So Quick little shout out to our, our Thursday night group of OGs. Y'all know who you are. And uh, we were, this is really a, a conversation in character um, is, is basically what we're talking about. And if you're not familiar with how we define character, it's the consistency of our positive habits. One thing that we constantly uh, talk and, and teach about is, is making the next best decision. And a lot of people, you're faced with choices, right? Uh, constantly. And so the, the, the overall conversation was on character in our programs. And Bubba shared a story. Um, it was a, a, a friend of his, so it's kind of a friend of a friend story. Um, and this guy went to a movie theater and goes to the concession stand, like you do at a movie theater, and wanted to eat some nachos and walks up to the counter, orders, you know, drink, popcorn, and says, I'll have some I'd like some, some nachos, please. And the girl behind the counter 
said that that uh, they couldn't sell him any. And he was like, why not? And her answer was three simple words, cheese be cold. And he kind of looked at her like, what do you, what do you mean the cheese be cold? And she was like, the cheese be cold. And so he's okay. Okay. Well, can you heat it up? And she looked at him and she said, it's not my job. It's not my job to heat the cheese. Somebody else is supposed to do that. You know, I just do this. And there was actually another guy behind the counter. He turns to him and says, Hey, I'd like some nachos, please. And he was like, sorry, we're, we're out. We don't have any right now. The, che the cheese is cold. And the guy was like, look, there's a microwave right there. Like, just, I don't care. I'm starving. I'll pay the, the, the 950 for nachos. Just put it in the microwave, heat it up. Like, I don't care. And they wouldn't do it because it wasn't, you know, quote unquote, their job. And so Bubba is telling us this story and he's doing a much better job telling it than I am right now. But and it, it's, it was sort of tongue in cheek, but we instantly were like, you know what? Cheese be cold. That would make a great hoodie. And so we all stopped what we were doing. A scene got on our, our product website and we uh, created this hoodie that's uh, just obnoxiously hideous with a, a, a piece of cheese with snowflakes on it. And on the back, it says hashtag heat the cheese. We'll throw a link in the show notes so people can see that. But um, that phrase and that hoodie of cheese be cold has sort of taken off kind of in EC circles. And we, we get pictures and we see people, you know, wearing the, the cheese be cold hoodie uh, or t-shirts kind of all over the country now. And people will text us and they'll tell us their, their, their stories of, of, you know, them heating the cheese. And so this, this little story of, you know, two people not willing to literally just put some cheese in a microwave to, to sell the nacho, to make the sale um, because the cheese be cold. And so that led us down this, this path of like, well, why didn't they do this? You know, it wasn't their job. And we just did a chat on Monday and we'll get into this a little later about trusting the process. Like, well, what is the process? Is it defined? What are, what's your role identity? What is my job, et cetera, et cetera. And the whole goal is to, to perform, to get the job done. The whole goal in that instance was to sell the nachos, to make the sale. And it doesn't matter if that was your job necessarily or spelled out. And so, and, and again, Bubba's doing a really great job sort of articulating this as a, as a junior high coach and teacher that, hey, if there's a job to be done, it's our job. It doesn't necessarily matter like whose job it is. So if you take that and turn that into like transition defense or blocking assignments on the offensive line or bunt coverages or anything like that, like if there's a job to be done, you do it. It's not your trash, you know, at the lunch table, but you pick it up and you throw it away anyway, not because it was your job, because that was the right decision. That was the right thing to do at that particular point in time. And so again, this conversation is about character. And I ended up going and sharing this story with the seventh graders that I was teaching at the time. And this, you know, heat the cheese movement starts to spread all over campus. And next thing I know, I've got like second graders seeing me on the hallway and they're uh, or on our sidewalks and they're like, cheese be cold. You're the cheese be cold guy. And they're going around and they're picking up Skittles wrappers and they're opening the door. And every time they did something right, it was like, hey, I heated some cheese today. You know, not because I, I necessarily had to, not because it was my job, but because that was the right thing to do. And I think the, the power in that story is the silliness of it and the, the stickiness of that language. Um, and it was just something that was kind of accidental. And I think that's how a lot of times these things work. Uh, the things that have staying power, sticking power, or they're the 
you know, the little stories that seem a little inconsequential at the time, but they, they stick. And so one of our missions uh, ever since then has been to heat the cheese wherever we might be and try to spread this story to where people are, you know, quote unquote, heating the cheese, you know, all over the country, wherever, wherever they might be. Um, and so, yeah, that's, if you've seen it uh, and you know the story, you know it well, that great, but maybe you've seen it and don't know. And so we wanted to offer a little background and context into where that came from. Um, not that we just kind of made up a, a phrase or anything, but it comes from a, an actual real life story and it's turned into something pretty cool. And the, the simplicity and the silliness of the story is really what makes it sticky. Um, and I'll tell you, like from, from my experience telling that story in sessions with college student athletes, with high school teachers, with college administrators and athletic trainers, and kind of just all over kind of running the gamut of framing responsibility and accountability through that story. It's amazing that those same second graders that you were talking about, they have the same reaction when they're in college. Heat the cheese, cheese be cold. And like, it becomes almost like a call and response thing. You mm -hmm. know, I see some of the, some of the athletes who know that story where I work and, you know, I just might like walk, walk right by them and say, Hey, cheese be cold. And they'll respond, heat the cheese. Uh, you know, kids who have the hoodie or the t-shirt, they wear it and they send a picture and they're like, look, I'm wearing it. Um, you know, we had one of our EC, um, a, a college women's soccer team, like took a team picture in it and they just like posed in it. And it was pretty cool, like to have them post that. And that was their like shout out to us. And it sort of became a rallying cry of, yeah, it might not be my quote unquote job to be the one that rotates down on defense, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to rotate down because I noticed something and I'm going to go heat the cheese anyway, even though it might be detrimental in the long run. I have to do this so that we can save this goal right now. Um, and it sort of just became this idea that like, you've got to do maybe more than what you think to be, to help us be successful, but I have to heat the cheese no matter what. I think it's also interesting when we talk about heat the cheese and like sort of the overall impact that has on a collective program. Um, it's very easy to find out who's not heating the cheese and who's unwilling to heat the cheese. And I don't say that in like a punitive way. I think it's one of those things where like, you know, you were talking about how all the kids at the school would start to pick up the Skittles wrappers or like clean up after people and then say, hey, I heated the cheese. I think one of the things that's really unique about this approach, as opposed to saying like, do more than your fair share or everybody picks up trash and like sort of making these like big, bold, grandiose statements of like, you have to do more. It's, you don't have to heat the cheese. Nobody has to do that. And if you do it, we're not doing it so we do get celebrated. It's just because it's the right thing to do. And I think when we're thinking about do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, this is just like an easy, easy, sticky, fun way to say that that has so many applications both on and off the playing surface. And I think like, you know, when we also came up with that definition for character, the repeatability or consistency of your positive habits, I think that was actually born out of this conversation um, 
or maybe vice versa. I don't really remember that the the timeline of it. But if you think about it, this idea that like where the the character part came from was in a conversation about like help side defense. And if we're actually going to help, we've got to help outside the paint, right? With our foot on the baseline, like making sure they can't just keep going or get that drift pass or whatever it is. And when we explain like you have a player who may not do that every time, doesn't mean they're a bad player or a bad kid. It's just that they're a low character basketball player, but we want to get to that like eight out of 10, nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 times. Now we have the consistency of that positive habit in that moment. They are a high character basketball player. And so relating then like cheese be cold. Well, the cheese is cold because we keep getting beat on the baseline. Who's going to heat the cheese and actually put their foot on the baseline. And I think it's one of the, the easy ways to make a point to players and to coaches and to anybody you don't have to be special to heat the cheese. You can be a regular, everyday person, just like the person who was behind the counter at the movie theater. You could just be you, and all you have to do is heat the cheese. Find some cheese to heat and heat it. To say, like, it's not my job to put out the balls before practice. It's not my job to put the baskets down. It's not my job to sweep. It's not my job to set up the clock. Well, somebody better heat the cheese and do it. Right. And so we can take that sort of expectation of doing more. And then the penalization, if you don't, it's, it's funny, like the, the whole quiet quitting phrase, right? It's not quiet quitting. You're just working to your job description. But everybody thinks, oh, I got to do more, got to do more, got to do more, got to do more. This sort of is a neutral phrase, right? Heat the cheese. You can do it if you want to. Doesn't mean you're bad if you don't do it. But there's value in doing it. And we're going to celebrate that value. Yeah, and I think that it's it's not just a character conversation, but then it's a leadership conversation as well, because you're talking about influence. And so why does the second person behind the counter not heat the cheese? Well, because the other person didn't do it either, right? And, and it just takes sort of that one that does it first. And why all of a sudden is there no trash at lunch? Because one kid at, at the lunch table picks up their plate or picks up somebody else's plate. And maybe they're the popular kid or the athlete or the, you know, the one that, that's sort of the, the ringleader of that group. And if their friends see that particular kid do it, now they all do it. And it only takes one or two times before that habit starts to form. And next thing you know, there's not, we're not dealing with the trash issue at lunch anymore. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever worked lunch duty before, especially if you've ever worked lunch duty in junior high, uh, trash is an issue. It's and, a major issue. Oh, I remember. Yep. And your, your cafeteria workers and your, your janitors, their job is not to clean up your mess. Their job is to ready the room for the next group, but it's not necessarily their job to leave for, for, to clean up your intentional mess. And that's, again, that becomes a bigger conversation that we have with these, with our students is like, you make a mess, like they're there to help you, you know, let them know or whatever, but it's not their job to come behind you and make everything tidy again. Like it's your job to take care of your business. And, you know, the lunch ladies, again, they get behind that and they're like, coach, you know, Hey, coach K kids were heating the cheese today. Like there was no lunch, like it was great. And then if they're not, then it was like, Hey, the cheese is cold in here today. We've got a couple of kids not doing what they're supposed to do. But then it also becomes this, you know, this, a very almost kind of playful and non-confrontational way to say, Hey, I need you to take care of your business. Mm -hmm. So I'm not yelling at you for not doing your job. I'm just reminding you, hey, that there is some 
some cheese in the room that is cold that needs to be heated and, and somebody needs to go take care of this instead of walking in and saying, hey, I've told you a thousand times, pick up your plate and throw it away or you're all going to be in trouble. It just becomes this, hey, cheese is cold. Somebody has a chance to play hero. And guess what? People love being the hero. You've got an opportunity now. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do. And now all of a sudden you're the, the cheese heater in the room and you, they, they sort of wear this with a badge of honor. And what's been really amazing is we kind of have seen this trickle up from the kids and the students and the players up to the adults. Um, and again, if, I'm, if you teach uh, and if you coach, this is probably something that's not, I'm not saying anything new to you here, but at, on every campus, there are a group of people that are the, I just want to make you aware people. Okay. And you're laughing now. I, because you know I have, I'm going to go ahead and mute my mic. Cause I'm going to laugh through this entire segment. of when you talk about this, I can't, I can't. So if you, let's say you coach basketball at the local high school. Okay. Somewhere in your school is a math teacher, an English teacher, uh, a librarian, some an administrator, somebody that's well-intentioned, but they come to you constantly with their problems and they just want to make you aware that your point guard isn't handling their business in math. I want to make you aware that your quarterback has not turned in their last three English homework assignments. I just want to make you aware that your star track sprinter was tardy to class two days this week. And they're looking at you like you're supposed to do something about it, that you're supposed to heat their cheese, that you're supposed to handle their classroom management. When in reality, they're, they're kind of telling on themselves and saying, hey, I don't have the relationship that you do with this particular kid. I need you to help step in and help me here. And in some ways, this is a credit to you. In some ways, this is a compliment to you because you do have that relationship with that player. Or maybe they just think that they're terrified of you because you control the one thing that they care about most in the world, and that's their playing time. That's their opportunity to shine on the floor or the field or look good in front of their friends or whatever. But these just want to make you aware people on campus what essentially they are doing is saying, hey, we don't sell nachos here because the cheese be cold. And I don't have the ability or the authority or the want to, to do it myself. And I need you to come in here and do it for me. And again, now, now it's an opportunity for us like, okay, I don't come to you, math teacher, and complain to you that my point guard turned it over seven times. It's not your job to fix how they read the defense, like I'll coach them to do this, but I need you to, to you know, sort of math them up, English them up, um, you know, in your particular classroom. But there are opportunities all throughout a campus, an organization, a team, a program, a community, a society, whatever, that are full of the, I just want to make you aware types who want you to come in and do the job for them, essentially. Um, and then that's your face with a choice. Like, okay, I I'm going to step in and I'm either going to do this. I might be able to help. And again, like, I think some of this is, can be seen as a, as a credit and an opportunity to say, Hey, yes, I know you've put the work in with this particular person and they'll trust you. Can you help me here? And it might be a, a, a reasonable, legitimate kind of cry for some help here. 
But at the same time, you also know who the people are who just can't handle it or they don't want to do their job and they're asking you to do a form. And I think, so, so you bring up a good point. I think that's where there's levels or, or concentric circles, maybe or like, if you're imagining like, you know, a tower of some sort, there's foundational things and there's like higher level things of where heat the cheese comes into play. And so the, like the, just make you aware of people. I think we all know who those people are on our campuses and truth be told, like maybe they can't handle what's, a, what's happening or it's, a, it's sort of above them of the decision-making power. But when it comes to building a relationship and when we think about the human component being the foundation of everything and we're, we're investing in recruiting and building relationships and connections and all those things, that's where we have to heat the cheese first, right? We can't even have somebody else heat our cheese or do any of those things if we're not taking the time first and continuously to heat the cheese in building those relationships. And so a great example of that is in the recruiting process, right? Coaches all over the country, high school, college, doesn't matter, everybody's recruiting. And as soon as we stop and we say, no, nah, we're good. Like we got that kid's commitment, we can move on. Or yeah, that, that, that kid over there like is never a problem. And we don't ever have to worry about them. So we're going to put in all of our time on the kids we do have to worry about. All of a sudden, we haven't heated the cheese in months with that other kid that we thought was a really good kid, whatever, whatever. And now they're going through crisis and we had no idea. Right. So that's part of heating the cheese, too. I think that's where sometimes, like, at least in my experience, when first explaining this concept, People think it's very task oriented, like picking up the trash or holding the door for somebody, like all these things that are like just basic good manners to have. But it, it goes so much deeper than that, right? And it's like a silly little story about heating up some like, it's not even probably real cheese at the movie theater, right? It's just, it just is like colored like cheese, right? It's like that nacho, like what is nacho cheese? Let's be honest. But um, the, the reality is that there are so many levels to that too. And so there's never not going to be cheese to heat, right? There's always something else we can do to heat the cheese that then prevents it from getting cold again. And we continually have to keep this burner on because as soon as it goes off, that cheese starts to solidify and it's no longer edible with, with those nachos, right? As if we're using the same analogy. And so my question to the coaches that are listening, to the educators that are listening, whoever, is thinking like, not even a question, but like think about whether those burners are all on or not, right? With the multiple cheeses that you have to heat on a daily basis, who do you need to connect with? How do we need to recruit these people to ensure that they can make the next best decision? And so I think what this ends up helping with, and this is something that uh, you know, I'll shout out Kip Ione again. I got to spend some time with him in his program a few months ago, or a few weeks ago. And one of the things he talked about with his guys was becoming a better noticer. And it was exactly the heat the cheese conversation, but through the lens of his teams of men work, he's talking about how his wife is an incredible noticer. But why does it fall to her to be the one that notices that the trash hasn't been taken out. The dog's water bowl is, is empty, right? All of these things around the house, and there's like four of them in the house, 
that could do something about it and they choose not to, but she's the only one that notices. And so she's the one who ends up eating the cheese. And so the challenge then for coaches, like we're so nitpicky about the smallest things, but then there's a lot of big things that just like escape us because we're focused so solely on like pick and roll coverages or making adjustments that then there's that slippage. And so how do we sort of recruit our teams? How do we recruit our staffs? How do we recruit the people around us to engage in what amounts to really like a healthy competition, I think, to be the best noticers that we can be so that that slippage doesn't exist and the cheese never gets cold. And what you're doing is you're, you're fighting the entropy of every, every single day. The, the slippage that you talk about, that's that chaotic, that randomness, the disorder, the unfinished business of the day. And the longer that we go through without sort of checking our blind spots or trying to standard hack is to throw back to a previous conversation. If we're not looking for the leaks in the boat and we just ex, you know, ignore them or pretend that they don't exist, you know, if there's smoke behind there's that door, there's, there's likely a fire. And we just sometimes think like, oh, eventually that'll, that'll go out. You know, as long as we don't touch the doorknob, you know, we're not going to burn our hands. So we're just going to move into the other room, to the other side of the house. And we're just going to pretend that that, that room's not on fire. We'll focus on this over here. And when all the while, like that, that smoke, that fire, that entropy, that that's going to spread. And the, the longer that it sits there and the colder that it gets, the harder it's going to be to heat back up and the longer it's going to take. And, and not only is it that one thing, but there's going to be, like you said, there's four or five things all of a sudden that need attention. And if we're, if we're likely not good enough uh, and high character enough in that instance to recognize those things, then we're going to probably have a really hard time prioritizing the four or five things that are going on at one time. What then becomes the most important thing? And we're forced to make decisions. And another, another you know, issue then becomes, well, a lot of times, like just we as human beings, we're bad at making those decisions. We end up not making a decision at all because we don't want to be wrong, or we end up hedging a decision. We put one foot over here and one foot over here, and we're uh, sort of to Ron Swanson this, like you don't half-ass two things, you know, you whole-ass one thing, and you end up you end up not really ever committing to something or making a decision. And again, like you said, there's levels to this. So now take this philosophically to what you do on the field. You know, are we going to be an offensive team? Are we going to be a defensive team? Are we going to run this? Or are we going to run that? Are we going to allow baseline? Or are we going to go no middle? Are we going to be a, an icing team? Or are we going to be a, a trapping, hard hedging team? Are we going to deny the passing lanes? Or are we not? Well, if you want to deny the passing lane, but you don't want to get beat back door, and you end up trying to handle both, well, chances are you get beat by both of those things, right? Like you have to sort of commit to one of those things. And what you're, what you're doing is you're not only saying like, this is how we're going to win, but this is how I'm okay getting beat. And you have to be able to, to live with that. And then you, you sort of go all in on, this is how we're going to play, or this is what our identity is going to be. This is who we're, this is who we are. This is what we're going to be about. This is how we're going to handle certain things. And it's not to say that you just ignore the other things, but if you, if you end up trying to, to chase 14 rabbits, how many do you catch? You know, none. And I, I think by sort of organizing your thoughts and becoming a better noticer, as you or as Kip says, it allows us to, to recognize what needs to be recognized. And then it, it, it equips us with tools to heat the cheese. And then 
it spreads. Again, this is a conversation on influence too. We're not the only ones that are trying to do this. And so by Kip's wife raising her awareness to her surroundings, which raises his, well, now we've got two people in the room that are mm -hmm. trying to take out the trash, that are trying to fill up the water bowl, that are taking care of the dishes in the sink, the laundry and the, you know, the, oh, I'm just going to go, you know, redry the towels one more time. So I don't have to take them out and fold them yet, you know, because I just don't want to right now. Um, and again, you could think about what are all the things in our program, our classroom, our organization, how many loads of towels are we constantly just redrying and rewashing over and over again, when all it takes is to go out there, take the time, fold them, put them away, and then we can move on to the next task at hand, whatever that might be. Um, and if you're into this idea that leadership is, is influence, um, I, th I think what, you, what you're, what you're going to notice is, is that people around you are watching. People around you are paying attention to you and to other people. And the folks in the room are, are smarter and more perceptive than what you give them credit for. Your players, your students are smarter and more perceptive than what you give them credit for. And, and we are the chief environmental create, creating officers. And so what we do, what we allow is what's going to trickle down. And they notice this stuff. So if we say do this, but we then in turn don't model it, they're eventually going to figure out that they don't have to. And they're going to find out what they can get away with and find out what, you know, they can act like they're doing this over here, but they're really not doing it over there. And that's just more entropy that we're inviting into the, into the system. And, and the more that it creeps in, the, the harder it becomes to, to sort of clean that mess up, if you will. Yeah. And the cheese just keeps getting colder and colder at that point. And so I think this then morphs this conversation, not really morphs it, but evolves it from the stickiness of this phrase and how it applies and sort of what it is, where you can take it to really this idea of like trusting the process, which we just had a chat on this week. And one of the things, and we're not going to get into the chat as much because I want to try to stay on the topic of, of heating the cheese and how that applies, but what cheese we are trying to heat is literally our process. What are the things that are important to us? How are they important to us? And how much are we willing to put forth, whether it's a little bit of work or a lot of bit of work, to actually make sure the cheese stays warm? And that we are consistently able to do that over and over and over again, aka our team's character. And so when we're talking about trusting the process, I think we fall into this trap of the power dynamic of like, well, you should just do what I tell you to do because that's the process. And more, more often than not, you're probably going to have pretty good kids in your program. And you're going to have kids that are pretty compliant. And we'll do what you say as a coach, because that's what they've been instructed to do. Every now and again, you get some knuckleheads and you get some kids that will ask why, or they're, you know, they'll be maybe a little bit oppositional. That's okay. But as, and we had this generational conversation the other day, but I think the time has passed where coaches now can no longer pray, P-R-E-Y on good kids and their well-intentionedness and expect the process to just continue. And, uh, and those kids should just be expected to allow that process to take as long as it needs to take without real explanation or without 
actually knowing what cheese to heat. And so I think that comes down to a couple of things. I think it comes down to specificity. It comes down to the rocket process, a reflection, awareness, clarity, and alignment. And you see how all of these things are related. So all of these EC-isms are all related. So if we're not heating the cheese, we're not really rocketing what we're trying to do. If we're not rocketing what we're trying to do, then we're not going to have the clarity and alignment for players, coaches, whatever, to trust whatever process is being espoused. Because here's the reality, and I, and I think this is a place where I'm going to pause after I say this so that you can think about it. Nobody is trusting just a process. They are trusting you, and thus they trust your process. And so if we're not developing the trust through our ability to heat the cheese consistently and not to give our players the excuse of, nah, cheese be cold, it's not my problem. Nope, cheese be cold, can't do it. That's somebody else's job. That's the fastest way to erode that trust in whatever process you're being given. Right? Or, or what not process you're being given, but process you're espousing to them that you've given them. Um, and, and again, like we can't prey on good kids forever. Because eventually that goodwill runs out when they realize you're not heating the cheese for them. And I think that's where the transparency and the clarity part of this comes in. And you look at our human component wheel, that's the authenticity piece of it. I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to tell you the truth. And I think some coaches hide behind that thinking like, oh, I'm the only person that's ever told them no in their lives. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is leveling with these young adults and saying, hey, this is the reality that we're facing. Here are the conversations that I've had. This is what I'm trying to do for you. And not making people feel bad that you're trying to do something for them, but saying like, hey, help me heat the cheese in this way. This is going to be our process. And this sort of then leads into the vision stability episode that we're going to record soon, right? If they don't trust you or your, your vision is constantly changing and your process is constantly changing, the more instability there is and the more sort of lack of reflection that is happening the harder it's going to be for them to trust your process and the harder it's going to be for them to want to heat the cheese in that process. And that's where you run into some of that entropy. You run into some of those, um, some of those just issues of perception of maybe laziness or perception of complacency, or that kid just doesn't work that hard. Well, I would invite you to reconsider that because I think if we're assigning blame to kids for not working hard, Maybe they do share some of that, but I think it's very likely they don't know what to work hard on. They don't know how to heat the cheese or what, what cheese to heat. And it's up to you as the coach to be able to explain that to them in a way that gets them to trust your process. Because if people do trust that process, by and large, they are going to jump in with two feet. But to expect them to jump in with two feet without any of those things, just because they are wearing a jersey, I think that's that's sort of a fallacy of coaching. Maybe some coach speak in there um, that really doesn't doesn't work anymore. I don't know if you agree with that, Kyle. Oh, one hundred percent. And then you mentioned the roadblocks. 
you know, the, the, the vision instability, the attainability, you know, things that we've talked about making the next connection, you know, the resources of, of human capital and, and trust that's there. Uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's a, a big part of this too, is what you're inviting in with that entropy is, is the insta instability of that and, and sort of the achievability of that. Um, and if you want people to trust your process, they're going to be more likely to trust their process, our process. And the more that we invite them into that. And so then we talk about the good, better, best of buy-in versus investment versus uh, ownership. You know, the more likely that they are to own that process and be invested in the creation of that process, the more likely they are to trust it because it's theirs. And, but they're not going to have the opportunity to create and own that unless you trust them to do that and vice versa. And so again, it's, it's, this is a, it's, it's complex over complicated, right? Like it's not complicated to let people in and have a share of that ownership, but it is very complex because now we're dealing with more people. But if we're trying to not just have success for one particular day, one particular great week of practice, one particular winning season, but we want to do this over the long term, then we sort of have to get in with the messiness and complexity of, of dealing with human beings. Because over the, the course of four years that they're in your program, you just touched on this, like eventually they're going to smell the BS. They're only going to put up with the, hey, do this because I told you so for so long before they can figure out what they can and can't get away with. You know, that's your culture taking over. People want to talk about culture all the time. Well, the culture is what we do here. Well, for a lot of people, the culture is this is what your kids have figured out they can get away with. Because your climate isn't handling its business every single day. The, the next best decision, the, the everyday, the now, the perception of how your kids view what it is y'all do every single day, that business isn't being handled. That cheese isn't being heated. And if we're just, as you said, P-R-E-Y, preying on the niceties of the kids, then again, we're telling on ourselves. We are doing the bare minimum for the players in our program because we're expecting just to get by on who they already are, who they are when they walk in the room. But yet, how did we get the job? We said we were going to influence them. We said we were going to turn them into better people, into the leaders of tomorrow. But yet we just sit here and we fall back on who they already are as freshmen. And chances are, if they were good kids as freshmen, by the time they're seniors, we still view them as that good freshman. But what we don't realize is, is they figured out what they can get away with and they're half the person that they were because we haven't poured into them like we said we were going to. And we think that they're good, but we don't see, we don't have the relationship with them anymore to know kind of what, where they're skating, where they're sliding. But we think that we've got such a great relationship with them because of who they were four years ago. And we haven't kept up with that over the course of time, kind of the recruiting piece that you were talking about earlier that we don't realize just how far we've grown from that particular player or that particular employee or that student. And, and in some instances, we don't get four years. If you're on the pro level, you might be with somebody for 10 years. But if you're talking about your you know, ninth grade social studies classroom, you've got nine months with that particular mm -hmm. kid. But that particular small society is in its entirety, 100% of that life cycle. So all of these things are, again, they're not mutually exclusive. They're not siloed. They are together, they are complex, but it, it comes down to 
that trust that you're talking about. We're not trusting a process. We're trusting a person. And if I don't trust you, the person, then there's no way I'm going to trust your process. And I'm more likely to stick to my own process. And if, again, we've talked about this quite a bit, like if you're looking at, you know, portals and transient nature of coaches moving and all this and that, then like, there is no process to be trusted. They jumped into that particular program because of maybe who you were, or the process that you're selling. But if come to find out the process that actually exists is not what you were pitching them, then they're moving on to the next one. And that's the issue with buy-in because as soon as I buy something, I can turn right around and I can sell it. Or if I buy one product, I'm going to turn right back around. I'm going to buy the new model. And we end up getting stuck in this, this cycle over and over and over again, that becomes extremely difficult to break generation after generation. And so I say all that to say this, now we're back to our mission statement, creating exponential generational change. And had an opportunity to, um, you know, he hear some feedback recently and a, a quick story to tell you just how easy this potentially could be. And you never know where one opportunity might be for you to create that exponential generational change. And a, a story that I heard from a conversation with a coach on their, um, their influence on the people that are in the room with them. And how you never know who might be looking up to you at that particular moment. So you as the veteran coach have like the rookie coach on the bench. And that rookie coach, you might, let's say you have a better relationship with that, that person than, than the head coach does. You have an opportunity as that particular mentor in that moment to influence, directly influence, not just that person now, but potentially affect and influence how that coach affects their players for the next 40 years. And so uh, a story that we got from, from some coaching friends of ours was a situation just like this, where not trusting what is happening in a particular program at the moment, you as the coach, you've got to determine like, how am I going to handle that? And you have to wrestle with those demons all by yourself, right? Like you've got to figure out how you're going to handle that. But you also need to understand that that younger coach in the room is looking to see how you handle that. And so whether or not you feel like you can handle it and the, and the particular cheese that you might be heating, there's somebody in the room that's looking to see how you handle it and how you're going to do it. And that directly will influence them when it's their turn in that particular chair or that particular situation. And that one conversation that one text message, that one meeting, that one ride home, that one whatever, might those words might lay heavy on their heart and raise their awareness, their noticeability factor, as you know, Kip's wife would probably say, to where the next time they're in that situation, it allows them to know, hey, you know what? I need to treat this a little bit differently, or I need to heat some cheese in this moment where typically I wouldn't. And that might right that one moment might write then in there affect that coach the next 40 years that they coach and touch the lives of countless numbers of athletes. Whereas if it goes the other way, we get stuck in that same cycle over and over and over again. And if we're in this business to create good, to make change, to create change, to do these types of things over and over and over again, generation to generation, then somebody's got to heat 
somebody's got to do it, right? And you might think, well, uh, this isn't that big of a moment. This moment won't make that big of an impact. But as this particular coach was reminded of recently, sometimes it's the, it's the, the unassuming moments that are the biggest and most impactful on anybody's life. Just like some silly little story of not wanting to heat some nachos at a, at a movie theater might turn this movement into this rallying cry of where people are going to do what they're supposed to do, not because for fame or recognition or anything like that, just because simply because it was the right thing to do. 